Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. The topic that we're going to be talking about here this morning, we started it last week, and we called this theme the partnership of the generations. The partnership of the generations. And we looked at a few very specific and important principles in regards to this theme. And the first one is really important is that we are not going to be able to accomplish all that God has for us as a church, as a church body, as a family, if you will, if we don't all come together and bring what God has placed on each one of our lives to the table. If we're going to accomplish the amazing things that God has ordained for this church, when he set it in motion 87 years ago, it's going to take all of us. All right, so we have a couple of people who are willing to to join in on this. The first thing that we have to understand, really and ultimately, and this is a really important principle here, is that each one of us have something to bring that somebody else needs. Every one of us in this church, every one of us watching online, we have something that God has placed on our lives that somebody else is in need of. And unless we understand that, we will often come with a mindset of only to receive instead of to give. We will often diminish what God has done in our lives and through our lives. And we will fail to recognize the specific things that God designed us for to be able to build up, not just this community, but the community in the world around us. Paul speaks about this very specifically in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I just want to read out of the Passion Translation. Chapter 12, verse 6 says, The same God distributes different kinds of miracles that accomplish different results through each believer's gift and ministry as he energizes and activates them. Each believer is given continuous revelation by the Holy Spirit to not benefit just himself, but all. And it goes on to speak about some of the specific specific gifts in the Spirit. And then we get to verse 12, and I'm looking at my page here. I don't know if you guys can see this, but one of my kids helped me highlight this passage. So this is a really important one. It says in verse 12, Just as the human body is one, though it has many parts that together form one body... So too is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all immersed and mingled into one single body. In fact, the human body is not one part, but many parts brought into one. If the foot were to say, since I'm not a hand, I have no part of the body, it's forgetting that it is still a vital part of the body. And if the ear were to say, since I am not an eye, I'm not really a part of the body, it's forgetting that there is still importance to its part in the body. But God has carefully designed each member and placed it in the body to function as he desires. God has brought so many people together, knowing who they are and what God has placed on their lives, together to be able to serve the body and to be able to accomplish what he has ordained for us to do. So that's the first thing. We have to remember that we have something to bring to the table, something that someone else needs. And then the second thing is what we really focused in on last week. That if we are going to partnership across the generations, we have to understand that first, we have to honor the past. 
We have to honor those who have gone before us. Those who have paved the way. Those who have made it possible for us to be sitting here today and a part of this church. We have to honor what God has done in our nation. We have to honor these things because it's in honoring what God has done that we set the foundation for what he wants to do going forward. Paul said to Timothy very specifically in uh, 2 Timothy verse 1, verse 14, guard the good deposit that has been entrusted to you. Guard the deposit that has been entrusted to you. The thing that you didn't earn, the thing that you didn't achieve, but the thing that was given to you and entrusted to you, protect it. And the way we protect it is by living lives of gratitude and honor. In honoring the past, we protect what we have been so blessed to inherit. So as we continue today, we're going to continue to look at this partnership of the generations. And we're going to continue to look at the life of Paul and Timothy. And when we started this last week, we looked at Acts chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, which is the story about how Paul comes to a city named Lystra, and he recognizes this young man named Timothy. And he sees that Timothy has this faith that has been placed inside of him, and it goes on to say that Paul takes Timothy, and he goes with him, and he starts to invest in his life. But in truth, this story doesn't actually start here. In chapter 16. This is not just a coincidental introduction between Paul and Timothy. First of all, we know that God ordains this meeting. But second of all, we realize that there were some things that took place before this moment in time in order for this connection of Paul and Timothy to come to be. So we're going to go from Acts 16 back to Acts 14 for a moment. Because in Acts 14, we see the story of Paul and Barnabas as they go into the city called Lystra. They go into the city and as they often do, they're spreading the gospel and they're praying for individuals and they come upon this man who is crippled from birth. And so they do what Jesus instructed them to do. They pray for him and Paul instructs him, get up on your feet and walk. And he does exactly that. The power of God flows through Paul and he sees the miraculous take place. And of course, the people of Lystra are super excited about this. They see this take place. And what happens is they go a little bit too far because they say the gods have come down to earth and they've taken the form of men. We need to worship them. And so Paul and Barnabas quickly address this and they correct them and they say, wait, wait, wait. We're not gods that have come as men. We're coming to preach the gospel of Jesus. And so they preach this gospel of Jesus and everything is going super well up until the moment where as it tends to happen in the life of Paul, they decide to stone him and execute him. There were some individuals that had come from a previous city, some Jewish people who did not like what Paul was preaching and they came and they incited the the city of Lystra and they, they took Paul out of the city and they stoned him until they believed that he was dead. And scripture isn't clear. Maybe he was dead. Maybe they did stone him to death. But the amazing thing is, is that we read this account and we get to verse 20 and it says, but when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and he entered the city. And on the next day he went back with Barnabas 
to Derby. This is miraculous for a few reasons. Number one, he gets up after being stoned, which you just don't do, especially when you're dead. And the second thing is he gets up and he goes right back into the city that he came from, the same city, city that just stoned him. Paul's got some like chutzpah, is that what it's called? He goes right back into the same city. And, and so there's a couple of things I want to see out of this. Number one, we have to recognize that God had a plan for Paul in that city. There was a connection that God was wanting to create. There was a partnership that he was wanting to form. And I believe that there are many times in life where Satan knows the plans of God even more so than we do. And so he wanted to cause some disruption to the plan of God. And so he created this opportunity for the men to come in and to inspire this anger against Paul and Barnabas and for Paul to be stoned. He was trying to break apart what God was doing in that moment. In our lives, when God is working on our behalf, when he is putting something in motion, when he's wanting to develop a partnership, we have to recognize that the enemy is going to do everything in his power to disrupt that. I know very firmly that the enemy does not want us talking about the partnership of the generations in this house. He does not want there to be unity in this body. He wants to create separation and division anytime he can. And so what we need to be aware of is when we're looking at this theme of the partnership of the generations, and we begin to speak about what it means to partner together, that the enemy is going to do his very best to instill and to create division and animosity between the generations. Whether it's the younger generation deciding once again that we know best, we don't need your help, or the older generation looking at the younger generation saying, well, you're just disrespectful and, and you don't listen and you don't honor the things you're supposed to honor and you don't wear the right clothes and you don't listen to the right music. This is like an age-old battle, isn't it? This music thing. There's always going to be opportunities, but the devil is always going to try to play up on the emotions and to try to create division. And so the enemy comes into this situation where Paul is going into Lystra, wanting to be able to establish this partnership, and he comes in, and Paul is stoned, and he leaves the city. But just, he goes back into the city, but then they go to Derby. But just think about this for a moment. Think about the believers in this city of Lystra watching the example that Paul is giving to them. First of all, he comes in the city, he walks in the power of God, and they see the miraculous healing power of God take place where the man crippled from birth stands up and is healed. Imagine what Lois and Eunice and young Timothy are thinking as they watch Paul go through this, preach the gospel, get stoned, get up afterwards, and walk back into the city. Imagine the testimony that was being laid before them, that was being invested in them through Paul's obedience to God. And then two chapters later, Paul comes back to Lystra and he finds this young man, Timothy. This wasn't an accident. 
Timothy would have saw the faith displayed by Paul. And in that time, however long it took from Paul to come the first time to the second time, Timothy had saw that example and he was following after it. There was a partnership that was being developed. And what we need to see out of this story first and foremost, besides the providence of God, is that somebody is always watching us. Timothy was watching Paul. Lois and Eunice, they were watching Paul. They were watching his example. And there are people in our lives that are watching us. They want to see how we're going to respond to difficult situations. They want to see how we're going to respond when things get difficult, when somebody turns their back on us or says something wrong or does something against us. There are people around us that are watching to see how we are going to respond. And it is in those moments that we have the ability to make an investment in the lives of others. It's in those moments that we begin to build partnerships that we don't even know about because we may not even be aware of who's watching us, but somebody is watching to see how the Jesus inside of us is going to respond to the, maybe the devil in somebody else. Somebody is watching and we have to be very aware of this. Often this starts at home with our children, with our grandchildren, with other people in our lives. They want to see how we're going to respond to what's going on around us. So then we continue in the life of Paul, uh, Paul and Timothy. And then we see this second principle emerge here today. So once again, week one was honor the past. But as this relationship continues, as Paul goes back into Lystra and he selects Timothy, he takes him along with him. And we get to the second principle, which is that we have to equip the present. We have to honor the past, and then we have to be intentional to equip the present. We have to be willing to invest into the lives of others. This is what Paul does with Timothy. Over the next 10 years, as they leave the city of Lystra, Paul takes Timothy with him to be able to learn firsthand what it is to be obedient to Jesus. What it is to go through difficult circumstances and to rely and to trust in the faith that God had given to them. Paul shows Timothy firsthand what it is to trust in God and to walk in the miraculous. He is investing in him. He is equipping him. And it's this principle of discipleship that we as the church must once again become very familiar with. Discipleship, doing life together. It's important to have discipleship classes. It's important to have these principles that we establish to walk together in relationship with Jesus. But we have to go beyond just talking about discipleship to actually living lives together where we are displaying exactly what it is that we believe. Where we're not just talking about having faith, but we're living it out. Where we're walking together in a brotherhood, in a, in a partnership, in, in generations being connected from young to old to say this is what it is to trust in God. This is what it is to walk by faith. This is what it is to believe even when things get difficult. This is what it is when the world around you is getting crazy and everything looks like it's going to hell to be able to stand for truth and to be able to stand for what God is doing in this time. But this only happens if we're willing to take the time 
to intentionally invest in relationship. To intentionally take that time to partner together, remembering once again that I have something and you have something and we all have something that somebody else needs. But when we come to this realization, then we have to realize that it's not just enough to have something that someone else needs. We have to be willing to do something about it. We have to be willing to say yes to the opportunities that God is placing before us to partner together. So this morning, I want to talk about what this looks like. How can we be intentional in investing in the generations around us? And specifically today, how can we equip those in the present who are meant to walk into their own areas of influence? We're meant to partner together to empower others to walk in something amazing. And we're going to talk about that more next week. So the first thing I want to talk about is one that we touched on here on Wednesday night. It's the significance of our testimonies. Very simply put, what are the things that God has done in your life that you need to be willing and prepared to talk to somebody about? What are the things that God has brought you through? What are the things that he has shown you? What are the things that he has developed in you through the circumstances of life that you can invest in someone else to be able to build their faith? You see, we all have a testimony. Our testimony could be we went into the world, we experienced some craziness, and God redeemed our life. Our testimony could be that I served God all my life, and I saw his hand at work providing for me every step of the way. And everywhere in between. But we all have a testimony. And it's not enough to just recognize that we have a testimony. But are we willing to share that testimony? Are we willing to invest the faith that is inside of us because we've seen God move in our lives? I'm looking out this morning and I'm seeing some individuals where I know some of the testimony. Rob Wallen, for instance, always tells me about his testimony, about being an atheist and coming to Jesus and some crazy stories in between. I love hearing these stories. We need to be willing to share these stories. Pastor Dave and his prison ministry, which was a little unorthodox, showing up in a prison in in another nation and, and the biggest prisoner in the yard showing up and saying, I saw you last night in my dream. God brought you to me. And finding Jesus in that moment. We have testimonies that we have to share, that we have to be willing to put out there. And we can't be afraid that, that there's some shame involved in it because sometimes there's going to be some failures on our part. But are we more excited about what Jesus has done than we are afraid to share what, what we've done wrong in the past? Our testimonies matter. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 9 says, Only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life, but make them known to your sons and your grandsons. Don't forget what God has done in your life and don't hesitate to share it 
with those who need to hear it. The second area that I want to look at today is our investment in our families. This includes our children, our grandchildren, our cousins, our our nephews, our nieces, basically any place that we have influence. Now, I could maybe just hear some of your thoughts right now, thinking about your family. Thinking, Sam, you don't know my family. They don't want to hear what I have to say. I've tried talking to them about Jesus. They don't want to hear it. And I, I think that on some level, probably all of us recognize this feeling. That we wanted to talk about Jesus, but it just wasn't well received. And, and the other part of this is that what I found is sometimes our, our testimony or our character even tends to deteriorate the fastest around our families. Our witness tends to deteriorate the fastest around our families at times because we're comfortable with them, because they know how to press our buttons, because whatever the reasons are, we're not always the most Christ-like around our families. No amens on that one, so that's okay. There are times where it's really difficult to invest in the lives of our families because we feel like they're not receptive to what we have to say. But my question is, why do we have to say anything at all? Can we invest in equipping others by simply walking in the faith that God has placed inside of us and allowing them to see the results of the fruit in our lives? Can we trust enough in God that he is going to do the work inside of us that simply by our actions, simply by our lifestyle, that others are going to see it And to desire something that they don't have, being the person of Jesus. And then in our children and our grandchildren, what more important investment do we have to make besides that? Besides in them. To be intentional in what we are investing in our children. In what we're putting on display for them. Deuteronomy, once again, chapter 6, verses 6 through 7 says, These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and you shall talk of them when you sit down in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. This is all the time. Talk about what God has done to your children all the time. Invest in them, invest in in their faith, invest in their future, invest in what God is wanting to do through them because you do have something to offer the world, but first and foremost, you have something to offer to your family. And it's our responsibility to gather around them both as parents and as parents in a community to invest in our children. What about in our workplace? What about in our coworkers? I've shared this story before, but I'll do so again quickly. I, I used to work for UPS, and I would do the, the preload, which was the morning shift, from like 3 a.m. to 9 a.m. From 3 a.m. to 9 a.m., I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to witness to anybody. I didn't want to, like, talk about baseball to anybody. I just wanted to get my work done and get home because it was 3 o'clock in the morning. But even in that place, God created opportunities for me to be able to speak to others 
And when I was obedient, which hopefully was more times than I was not, I saw God work through my life in speaking to those who were much older than me and and some who were quite younger than me to be able to invest in them what God had placed inside of me. But it took a willingness to get out of my comfort zone, to get out of what I wanted to do in that moment. We always are going to have these opportunities, especially when we are intentional in looking for them. We need to partner and we need to equip our communities. And we talked about this very briefly, but the young adults went into the city of Poughkeepsie yesterday and they were involved in outreach and being able to minister to the community out there. This was just one opportunity and I promise you there are going to be many, many more. What Carly spoke about today in in, uh, foster care, there are so many opportunities out there. We're going to be making these very um, accessible to our congregation. But I have to tell you this, you don't have to wait for us to start something in the church for you to go into the community and to invest and to equip the people of our community. We all have the opportunity to do this. And the final one today, in our own church, what about children's church? What about youth group? What about Royal Rangers and girls ministries? What about the different areas that we have in our church to be able to directly impact the lives of young people? We have opportunities in this church to be able to invest in our young people to be able to get around them, to be able to to share what God has put on our life. What if God is calling us to go serve in that place? And this is not just a pitch for volunteering for kids ministry, although it would be really nice if anybody in here wants to go serve in our kids ministry. Six people. Unbelievable. Youth group girls ministries, rail rangers, there's going to be more of them, but we have the ability to invest in the next generation. Let's be looking for those opportunities. We have to develop a hunger and a value for investing in the lives of others. And we have to have a hunger for learning from those who don't necessarily look like us. If we're going to partnership, have a partnership with the generations, we have to have a hunger and a value for investing in the lives of others. And we also have to have a willingness to want to learn from those around us who are maybe a little older or a little younger or look a little bit different. Can we partner together as a church with one another to trust that God has placed something in each one of us and that we should be intentionally seeking those things out? As young people, this means looking to the older generations to learn and not simply assuming that we have all the answers. I look at some young people just just for effect. I don't think Timothy too many times looked at Paul and was like, Paul, don't worry, I got this. That demon-possessed person over there, don't worry, I got this. Now, Paul may have turned to Timothy for whatever the biblical equivalent was of TikTok or technology or whatever that was. I don't know. For our older congregants to be able to look to the younger people and to understand that they have something of value to bring as well. See, that's, I I love that. We have the ability to trust and know that there are the gifts that are operating in their lives. 
And this is what Paul did. He went into Lystra. He saw this young man, Timothy. He recognized something on his life. And he took him and he invested in his life. And to me, this is where it really gets exciting. When we take the time to invest in the lives of others. Not to just observe others operating in their gifts, but being willing to partner together with what God has placed inside of them. I just want to take a moment to to brag on our congregation for a little bit because I know there are those in this church who know how to hear the voice of God, who know what it is to walk in the gift of prophecy. We have those in this gift who have a burning desire to walk and to see the healing power of God in display and on display for our church and for our communities. We have those in this church who have a deep desire to see the lost one for Christ. We have young people who have the technical understanding to reach a digital generation. We have those who have a deep yearning for truth and a willingness to speak about it and to be active in what we believe. We have those across the board who have a biblical foundation and the wisdom and the experience and the heart to see our community and our world transformed. We have prayer warriors who stand and fight in the spiritual realms and contend for the kingdom of heaven. We have those who excel in finances and business that bring those skills to the table that have so much wisdom to share. We have those who who walk in different trades and the knowledge of how to train and equip on some of the most essential and seemingly basic things that our young people and even uh, people across the generations need to know. But unless we take the time to bring these things to the forefront, to partner together, unless we're intentional about seeing and seeking those who are maybe not in our age group, not in our friend group, not in those who we ordinarily walk with, if we take the time though to do this and to invest in their lives, we'll begin to see this partnership develop as we bring what we have on our lives and we see what they have on their lives and we bring them together to walk in synergy to what God is wanting to do in this house. But all this requires one really important thing, intentionality and time. We see this modeled in the lives of Paul and Timothy. Paul recognizes something in Timothy and he invests it into him and they do life together. They spend time together. Can I tell you that some of the most meaningful relationships that I have in my life are the ones that I spent time walking with somebody else in my pursuit of Jesus. I would say my best friend on this earth, besides my wife, is another Jamie, who was the youth pastor that I began to serve under 20 years ago. And we spent time together, doing life together, pursuing God together. And and there is such a value and a trust that I have because of this time together. There are young people that are in this church today that are maybe not so young anymore that were a part of my former youth group generation now who serve in this church that I have these deep relationships with because we did life together, because there was an investment taking place. There are young people, some that are sitting over here, that when I first came into this church in 2016, I had the opportunity to spend time with them, and they've gone from being students in a youth group to friends that I deeply value and cherish. 
And there are pastors in this church that when I came on that we formed connections and relationships and, and God was able to make this investment and this partnership together. But it all required time. This is what happened with Paul and Timothy. Timothy started as a student. He started as someone who was following after Timothy or after Paul. But we see in Romans chapter 16 verse 21 and 1 Thessalonians 3 2 that Timothy actually goes from a place of just being a son to being a coworker. Somebody who was learning from Paul to actually starting to walk in his giftings. This passage in 1 Thessalonians says, I exhort you to accept Timothy, our brother and coworker, God's coworker in the gospel of Christ. He says he is now someone who is worthy to be able to walk basically under the mantle of what has been invested inside of him. And this is the goal, and this is what we're going to go into next week. We're going to talk about what it means to not just honor the past, not just equip the present, but to empower the future, to empower what God is doing. And I want to ask if the worship team would come back up this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18 says, I urge you then to be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. This is why I sent you Timothy. Because he's learned from me. Because we've walked together. Because we've partnered together. Because he's equipped now to walk in all that God wants to do in his life. You see, there was a graduation that occurred in the life of Timothy as he spent this time with Paul. So as we come to a close here this morning, I just want to ask the question, who is it in our lives that we are intentionally investing in? Who is it in our lives that we have taken the time to seek out and to pour into? Who are the individuals that God has brought into our lives through expected or unexpected ways? that we can recognize that we have something to offer. That there's something that God is wanting to do in us and through us to invest in their lives. Will we take the time to recognize the gifts that God's given us and to pour them into somebody else? Will we take the time to ask God Will you open up these opportunities? Will you open my eyes to see who these individuals might be? Whether it's in the community, in my family, in the church itself, where are you calling me? Because I want to be a part of what you're doing right now. God's put some amazing gifts in every individual in this church. And no one is exempt from it. I wouldn't be here today if I didn't have individuals who invested in me. Who took the time to, to speak to me, to be able to, to walk together with me. And I just know that there are so many more who need someone to walk alongside of them.